0: Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, everybody. So you can see somebody won a Starbucks uh, drink by... Uh, recommending that song had five great songs still have four other weeks to go if you got a good summer song send them to hello at warehousechurch.com. we will use them uh, in our uh, messages throughout the month has some really really good ones I have a funny story about that song it's really uh, um, I I have to tell it short because I I could you know how sometimes you can turn a two-minute story into a 15-minute diatribe a little bit right when we were kids, we went to the boardwalk every summer. I'd spend our whole summer at the beach. Uh, we called it the shore, where we're from, but we'd spend the whole, beach, the whole summer at the beach. And uh, there was a boardwalk there, of course. And right underneath of the big playland, you know, place where you spend $15 to win a $2 doll kind of a thing, one quarter at a time. We found, we saw somebody drop some money one day, and it went right through the little slats of the boardwalk, and we had a brainstorm. We're gonna crawl under the boardwalk, right? And see if there's any money under there. So we took a little bucket, we, we hooked it onto our bathing suit in the back, our OP bathing suit, somebody even know OP bathing suits, right? Had a little string, hooked it on there. Did an army crawl underneath, took a little shovel with us because it got too, it got too close to the boardwalk, So We had to shovel our way in there and we came out with like $95 and quarters. So when I think of under the boardwalk, I'm not thinking about hooking up with a girl at the beach, okay, because that didn't happen. What I'm thinking about is I, well, I got 100 bucks in quarters. That's a, that's a couple big buckets of quarters, and somebody came out and saw us, and we, we couldn't even get them all up there. Somebody came out and saw us do it, and the next day we went back to get more, they were all gone. Everybody kind of called on to what we did. But that's how I remember under the boardwalk, and I'm sure you were blessed by that story, okay? So anyway, today's message, I called it this, does your say match your do? Does your say match your do? Today, in professional sports, sometimes in politics, just in our world today, we live in a time where there is so much trash talking. It's unbelievable. Uh, The way the athletes will kind of talk about each other, and it's really even celebrated. There was a basketball player a few years ago I read something this week, the best trash talkers of all times. uh, They they said the best trash talker of all time in the NBA was a guy named Gary Payton. How many of you heard of Gary Payton before? How many of you don't care? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Gary Payton played, I think he played for Seattle. He played for a couple other teams too towards the end of his career, I believe. He was a trash talking machine. Uh, I'm gonna date myself a little bit by the story I wanna share. One of the first stories of trash talking in sports happened in 1973. How many of you were alive in 1973? All right, some of you are going like this like you're ashamed of it, okay? I get it, I understand. So there was, there was a tennis match that was called Battle of the Sexes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Battle of the sexes. A guy named Bobby Riggs, a middle-aged, 55, and I love that it said middle-aged, 55-year-old man, because I am 55, therefore I'm middle-aged, which means I'm going to live to be 110 years old, which is great, right? So Bobby Riggs challenged then Wimbledon champion Billie Jean King, this big tennis match, and it was overhyped, and it was, it was just ridiculous is what it was. If you watch, I think there's a good uh, documentary about this whole thing. Uh, so Bobby Riggs is talking. There's no woman that could ever beat a man in sports. And all the women are going, ah, and all this women empowerment stuff happened. And we won't talk about that. But, of course, they winded up playing tennis together. I think it was in Madison Square Gardens. was sold out. She beat him three, three straight sets and absolutely shut up a big doofus uh, trash talking machine. Now, there's a lot of people that say it was set up, and the mafia told him. It's funny the stories that come out after it. The mafia told him to lose because they put a lot of money on it. He did wind up losing. He was kind of shamed a little bit. Billie Jean King, women's tennis, la 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 la, all that happened. But one of the biggest trash talkers was embarrassed afterwards. And this, I called my message today. This does your say match your do? Right, uh, we can in the world today let people know, and we do this on Facebook, and we do this on social media, and maybe even at work, and maybe even in your neighborhood, or maybe even with somebody who's related to you. Well, I don't do that because I'm a Christian, right? Well, I don't drink because I'm a Christian, which which I don't understand how that connects. Well, I don't do this because I'm a Christian. We and sometimes we'll make all these bold statements about our personal belief story in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Which And I'm not saying that they're wrong, but the question I want to ask you is this. Does your say match your due? Right? Well, I'm a this, and I'm a this, and I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's amazing to me all of the division. Listen, it's not just in our country. It's in the church, too. I've got a pastor friend of mine in Philadelphia, and we had a real kind of a good debate a couple weeks ago about some things when, when, when all this abortion stuff just started stirring up again, when apparently, allegedly, we'll see what happens, we don't know, but the Supreme Court has already ruled on it and they just haven't started talking about it yet. Now, I'm a pro-life person. I believe that life starts at conception and all those things, and I believe it's out of the Bible. And for me, that's not a political statement. That's just the Bible. But man, all this stuff started stirring up, and he said, well, you don't understand. I said, listen, dude, I'm not going on there on the social, because he was saying some really, really strong stuff That was very politically driven, but it wasn't biblically driven. I said, dude, you do whatever you want to do, but here's the thing: let's just talk about Jesus. Let's not get involved with all this, you know, all this other stuff. Because what winds up happening is we wind up marking ourselves. Listen to this. We wind up marking ourselves as arguers instead of peacemakers. And didn't Jesus say in the Beatitude, Blessed are the peacemakers? He made a made a comment about that in Matthew chapter 5. So Last week, let's just, let's just a little bit of review last week. Last week, we started off the letter, 1 John chapter 1, by talking about that God wants you and I to believe in his son named Jesus Christ. It's God's will. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. God sent his son Jesus to this world to live a perfect life, to perform unbelievable miracles, to give testimony of the Father in heaven, but to lay down his life and die so we can have forgiveness of sins. He's the resurrection and the life. He rose up from the grave three days later so we can have a relationship with him and live with him forever and ever and ever in eternity. Somebody say amen to that. John said God wants you to know about that. Second thing is God wants you to have a life where you're fully experiencing a life, a fulfilled life with Jesus Christ. Not just salvation and a free ticket to eternity, I'll catch you later in 50 years, but so that you are dwelling in God's presence every day. So like we did during communion, you're asking God to forgive you of your sins. Listen, I don't know about you, but I need to do that daily. God forgive me for, God forgive me for. I think we probably, all of us need to, as in our prayers, spend more time asking for forgiveness than we do asking for stuff. Amen, church? So we have to do that all the time, and God gives us the opportunity to do that, as we're gonna talk about today. But the third thing is, God wants you and I to be witnesses, and that's a judicial term, it's us telling people what we personally experience and share our experience with the Lord. So keeping those things in mind, let's read 1 John chapter one, verse five. I'm gonna read down through chapter two, verse number six. You're gonna say, that's a lot of verses. It's not that much verses because 1 John chapter one's really short. So 1 John, I was in a church service one time. It might have been here, so I'm gonna, I'll say this. It might have been our church. I read a chapter that was like 42 verses. So I said, hey, we're going to read the whole chapter today. And somebody went, whoa. I don't know if it was a reflection of uh, the amount of reading I was going to do or the quality of reading that I don't do, okay? So try to follow along with me. The verses will be on the screen. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5. This is the message which we heard from him and declared to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie And we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children, These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anybody sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth isn't in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God, is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. He who says he abides in Him ought to, ought himself also walk just as He or Jesus walked. So, as we understand this this idea of our of our words matching matching our actions, right? Of our what we are is who we say we are, so that we're not trash talking, right? So we're not like claiming that we're all this. Super, mega spiritual. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that identify with the Christian culture, but don't necessarily identify with the Jesus Christ of Christianity. Right? And, and there's people. There are people that, that, good, good people that don't go to church, that, that, that w- would not say that they have a relationship with Christ. I would venture to say there's even good people that, that deny Right? I'm saying good by our world standards, deny that there's even existence of God or existence of Jesus. But here's the thing. the Bible tells us in the book of Titus chapter three, It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy that He saves us. You can't have a relationship with God just by being good. You can't have a relationship with God because your parents gave a lot of money to the church. You can't have a relationship with God because uh, you personally make a, a, a big donation to church or Christian ministry. The only way that you can have a relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes unto the Father except through me. That's how we have a relationship with God, because of Jesus Christ. Now, if you consider that this morning, one way or another, right? This is what this passage of Scripture deals with here this morning. One way or another, you and I are confronted with sin every single day. Whether Whether it's the temptation to sin whether it's the reality of sin that's before us, whether it's the, the penalty, right, or, or, or the domino effect of sin in our lives, or maybe even the domino effect of sin because of people that you're close to. <coughs> but one way or another, you're gonna deal with sin. Talk, that's what I wanna talk to you about today, of how we deal with sin in our lives. And here's the first thing I wanna submit to you today. We deal with sins by covering them up, and I, I use this term in there for all the old people like me. We cover them up or we watergate them. Somebody else get that this morning. It's a little funny if you're old. Maybe not. I don't know. But we cover them up. And here's the thing about our sins. When we cover up our sins, we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to God. We talked about David and Bathsheba maybe five or six weeks ago, right? And how David did everything he could to cover his trail when he sinned with Bathsheba. And all these things, that, and it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse, and finally his sin was exposed because church, we don't have the ability to cover up our own sins, we don't. We think that we could sin and get away with it, and, and, and there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple ways we do that. Sometimes we cover our sin by lying to ourselves and God. You know, you could speak something over your life enough where you even start to believe it, even if it's a lie right? Like, you can look in the mirror and say, I'm really skinny, 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 and maybe even start to believe that, you know? But we'd lie to ourselves, and we lie, and have you ever caught somebody that you're really, really close to, like blatantly saying a lie, and, and you didn't say nothing, but you'll, and, 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 and you know, it's really easy with kids, right? You know, did you eat, they got chocolate all over their face. Did you eat that chocolate bar? No. You know what's that all over your face? I was washing my face with a brown magic marker or something. I don't know. And they just and you're looking at them and you're going, really? Do you think that I'm I'm that stupid that I don't really see that you? And I think we do that with God, because we can't hide from God. There's not a place that you could go to. There's no secret solace that's separate from God where He doesn't know everything about you, everything you say, and even every intention. The Bible says that's in your heart. So we cover our sins by lying to ourselves and lying to God. Here's another way we cover our sins. And I think a lot of us are probably very guilty of this. Sometimes we cover our sin by comparing ourselves to others. Right? Well, it was not that big. Did you see what Brian did over here the other day? That dude's a junkyard dog. I mean, God's not worried about what I'm doing after he saw what he did over there. That that's got to have heaven in an uproar. My little white lie over here, I mean, that was really, I mean, I just didn't want to hurt their feelings, or I didn't want anybody to know what was going on, or, or this, this, this. And what we wind up doing is we compare ourselves to one another, and we do that to make ourselves look good. And here's what the Bible says about comparison in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. When we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, trying to puff ourselves up to make ourselves look good, here's what happens. We look like fools. So we cover up our sins by comparing ourselves to others. And, and boy, we could do that, especially if you're, you, know, you look at your life, you're a Christian, you're trying, you're not perfect, but you're trying. Then you look at somebody over here, this will be an immoral lifestyle, or just this, man, they're just jacked up, right? And we make ourselves, we, well, I'm, I'm not that bad, I'm not that bad, I'm not that bad. And here's the thing about sin, God's not up in heaven saying, that's not that bad of a sin, that's a really, really, the thing about sin is our sin cost Jesus Christ his life. So God doesn't look at sin the way that we do on a big scale, right? We get, we get all freaked out. You know, the, the Christianity is really good for this. We get all freaked out by different sins of immorality, by homosexuality, by uh, people that do things publicly that are awful, by this, by this, by this. And we get, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. I would never do that. The church needs to take a stand. Well, the church needs to take a stand on you and I having clean hearts ourselves, a, because here's the thing about people that don't know Jesus. You ready for this? Here's a, here's a good flashpoint for you. People that don't know Jesus are not going to live a life trying to reflect the love for Jesus. You know what that means? Unsaved people live unsaved lives. That's not an excuse. But here's the thing. As Christians, we don't have an excuse for it. And that's not us. Looking, look at those. No, what we need to do, church, more. Instead of looking out and pointing at what other people are doing, we'll spend a lot more time looking in the mirror. Man, ooh, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry I'm comparing myself to that person. I'm sorry I'm comparing myself over here. And, and, and the thing is, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. None of us are perfect. Not does it give us an excuse to sin. Romans chapter 6, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And you know, what? you know what Paul said? God forbid. How can you and I that are dead to sin keep living in that awful lifestyle? So we cover up our sins by comparing our, and here's the other one. Sometimes we cover up our sins with the cloak of ignoring. Right? Harry Potter, my kids love the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> Maybe I'm not spiritual because I said that. But there was this, this invisible cloak that one, that one of them, you could put, you know what I'm talking about, May, because you had to watch all of them, read the books and everything too. They put this little, this little hood or cloak on them and they became invisible. How cool would that be? Right? So they, the invisible cloak, nobody could see them. And I think, we think that we could do that with God. Like if I ignore that this, you know sometimes when you have a fight, my wife and I are the kind of people when we argue, um, once or twice this week, when we argue, I, I'm the kind of person I have to confront it and deal with it and eventually say I'm sorry. I can't, when the Bible says that don't let the sun go down on your wrath, I'm a literalist on that. Like I can't even go to sleep if I think something's wrong with me and Kim. With her, she loves Jesus as her savior. She loves her kids. She loves sleep and I'm a distant fourth okay? I'm just telling you that. And, and she, she could just go to sleep. Listen, let me sleep on it. When I get up in nine or 10 hours, we'll deal with it then, right? And, and, and sometimes that's kind of how we deal with our sin. It's not that big of a deal. Man, God's up in heaven. He's got world wars to deal with and all this stuff all over the world. My little it's, God doesn't care about that thing. What we do is we ignore it. And when we ignore it, we're covering up, and we're not experiencing the full blessings of God in our life. And here's another way we cover up our sin, just by blatant disobedience. You know how a guy say to me a little while back, not from our church, somebody from where where I'm from, say to me, I know that I'm not supposed to be doing that, but. And it came up to me. I know I'm not supposed to be doing that, right? And what had happened was he fell in love, like love is just some kind of thing you fall into, right? And I think when people say fall in love like it's an accidental thing, I think it devalues love. Because I'm choosing today to love my wife. I'm making that choice today. It's a conscious choice. It's a wise choice. She's way better than me anyway, so I know how good I have it but I'm not like, bloop, I fell in love, right? And this guy said, well, I know I've been married to this lady for 15 years, but I met this lady at work and I fell in love with her and she's the love of my life. And I looked at him and said, why are you telling me this? Why just, you know, I, I want you to know that I really prayed about it and I want you to pray about it with me. I just looked at him and said, I'm not praying about that. What do you mean you're not praying about it? Because you're an idiot and you're disobeying God and you're asking me to give you a blessing or justify it and you're a knucklehead. He said, that doesn't sound very pastoral. I said, well, what do you think I think about what you're saying to me? Right? He was looking for me, like, to get, oh, I understand, you know, because you know my wife, and she's like this, this, you know, she's 50, a younger model. She's way, way better. I'm looking at this guy going, what are you smoking, dude? Like, I couldn't believe the conversation. I was mad. I was mad that he brought it to me thinking that I was going to justify his actions, right? But that's sometimes, that, that's like, you know, women in the room are going, mm, mm doing this I dare you to try that right doing that kind of a thing but here's the thing we do that to God sometimes it's like I know you said that I know I shouldn't be doing that but you have to understand I've got these consequences in my life and I've got these circumstances and you know I I can justify what I'm doing because of all this other stuff that happened to me just in blatant blatant disobedience. And here's the thing about covering our sin. When we cover our sin, you know what we do? We experience loss. We experience loss. Uh, we experience a loss of understanding God's word. There's a really short verse, and I believe it's in First Thessalonians where it says this. It's a real Bible-y sounding verse. Quench not the spirit. You say, what does that mean? It means don't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God's Spirit, his Holy Spirit, you, your body, became the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians. And because your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches you to understand the word of God, convicts you of sin when you mess up, not so that you feel bad. People say, oh, Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. Because I don't want to feel bad about what I do all the time. When the Holy Spirit exposes sin into your life, it's not to make you feel bad, it's so that you make it right. Right? He wants you. We had communion this morning, not to make anybody feel bad, but so that you can make things right with God that you need to make right with God. And it's not because I'm telling you that, it's because the Spirit of God is saying, hey, you need to apologize to your wife. You might want to go up to your next door neighbor today and say, I'm sorry. You might want to go to your buddy today and say, I shouldn't have done that, right? And that's the Holy Spirit's ministry. But when we quench the Spirit, like we're living in blatant, disobedient to God, it's going to hinder our understanding of God's Word because the the Holy Spirit's not going to speak to us, church, listen now, if we're not listening. There's a loss of understanding of the Word of God. There's a loss of fellowship with God. Now, let me make this really, really clear, okay? And this is something we're going to hit big, big time on this series just because your fellowship with God isn't what it's supposed to be doesn't mean you lose your salvation. And that is such a plain, plain verse uh, passage in 1 John chapter five, verses 11 through 13. The assurance or the security that we have in our relationship with him. But here's the problem. A lot of people bank on that secure. Well, I can't lose my salvation so I guess it's not a big deal when I do this, right? I've committed to my wife. We, we've been married for 36 years. And if I were to say to her, listen, I'm, I know I'm going to mess up a little bit, but I'm still very committed to you, and I'm only going to stay married to you. But I'm going to you know, just, oh, just going to, you know, it's not that big of a deal because I'm still married to you, but this over here, no, that doesn't make sense, does it? Well, it's the same thing we do with God. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to our lives and, and teaching us to, to understand things, uh, and, 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 and we're just not listening, we lose, we lose an understanding of what's in the Scripture. Then we lose that, that fellowship or that blessing from God. Listen, very simply, God's not going to bless your life if you're living in continued obedience. That's from Genesis all the way to the end in Revelation. I'm not going to do this. I know I should. I'm not going to do this. I know I should. Well, listen, don't pray for God's blessings because you're the hindrance for that. And isn't it amazing how much we blame other people for blessings we miss instead of taking ownership of our own lives and saying, you know what, maybe if I got my stuff together, God would bless my life if I made things right with him. And, and listen, like, like a father loves his kids, like a mother loves her kids, like a grandfather loves his grandkids, grand, so on and so forth, Jesus said, you think you love your kids? Let me tell you how much more God loves you. Yeah. We can't even believe and begin to understand the magnitude and the depth of love that God has for us. So there's a loss of understanding with God's word. There's a loss of fellowship and blessing from God. Here's the other loss. We lose our character and reputation that's a big, big thing. You could spend years, years building your character and lose your reputation in one minute with a foolish decision. Then you gotta go, right? You gotta go back. David, we just, we just talked about this a few weeks ago with David and Bathsheba. Everything, Joab, his kids, the domino effect of David's sin affect his whole kingdom. And he lost his reputation. And church... Your reputation, my dad used to say this to me all the time, your name, my, my dad's, I share the same name my father has. I'm his oldest son, and he gave me the longest name in the whole world, Edward Martin Trinkle Jr. <laughs> if you spell all that out, there's not enough room on your paper, okay? I have nothing that's monogrammed. But I'm Edward Martin Trinkle Jr. My dad used to say to me all the time, and, and it's kind of funny because I, when, I, when I was 12 years old, I did something really dumb and I got arrested, much to the surprise of none of you probably, but I got arrested when I was 12, and I was in there, I had the whole fingerprinting and the mug shots and the whole, man, I was crying and scared to death. My dad drove from Philadelphia to the beach to pick me up at the jail because my mom didn't want to do it. It was great. And when my dad, but first, I, and my dad's like six foot eight, 425 pounds, his hands are as big as, as, as bears. And I just thought, I thought I was going to die that day when I saw my dad. I just thought he was going to go, right? And he looked at me and he said, you have embarrassed me because people know my name that you have, and you hurt our name today. And that affected me that day, but it affected me longer when I got older and I understood the seriousness of that because you and I, we carry the name of Jesus. And there's this understanding, public, when, we, you know, when we mess up publicly, private sins are easy to deal with. You sin, you know it, nobody else does. You ask God to forgive you, right? But when there's a public sin, And people know, you know, that that you're making bad decisions or living an immoral lifestyle. That's a little bit more difficult because they would have to admit that you're wrong, make it right with people, make it right with God. I think it's harder to do that because character and reputation are very hard to build. It's important to understand we can lose fellowship but not a relationship. We can lose fellowship with God but not a relationship. We'll talk about that more in the next few weeks. So the first thing we do with our sin is cover our sin. The second thing we do is confess our sins. And he tells us that in 1 John uh, verses, one, uh, verses seven through nine in chapter one. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now listen to this verse. If we say we have no sin, we're lying to ourselves. And the truth isn't even in us. And this beautiful, beautiful verse, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. You know what that means? He, kept, he will keep his promise that if you confess, he will forgive. When you confess your sins to God, Dear Lord, I'm sorry I lied to my wife. Dear Lord, I'm sorry I uh, said something I shouldn't have said. Dear Lord, please forgive me for this bad thought that I have. Whatever that it might be in your, in, your, in your scope of sin, right? And it's when you pray that prayer to God, Dear Lord, please forgive me for a blank. God doesn't go up there and go, um, I'm going to get back to you on that one because that's, that's kind of a big deal and I think you, I want you to feel bad for another week or two about it before I actually forgive you. No, it's immediate. When you confess your sins, he will forgive you of your sins and not only does he forgive you, the Bible says he cleanses you from all unrighteousness uh, in verse number nine. And, and, and then he, the, the Bible talks about here uh, in this passage how he, there's two kind of hard words to un- understand. One word is propitiation and one word is advocate. Jesus, our propitiation, means this. He satisfied God's law when it came to our sin. Sin is a big, big, big deal to God. Now, we don't think it's a big deal because, like, again, we compare ourselves and well, yeah, we all lie, we all do this. We, you know, we, we look at the sins that we commit and all of us in this room understand that we're not perfect. There are some people we look at and say, man, they're really, really good or maybe they're really, really bad Right by that, com- that weird comparison thing that we do. But I think we all feel safe with one another knowing that we're not perfect people, amen? Right, but in comparison to God, right, who is perfect, God can't even look on sin. The moment that Jesus was on the cross and the Bible says that he took every sin that every person ever committed in the whole world in the history of humanity and he bore that sin, that means that sin was put on Jesus. The Bible says that God had to turn his back on him. Jesus cried out, Father, why are you forsaking me? Because God could not look at his son for the shame that he carried for you and me. That's how big of a deal that sin is. You know how big of a deal that sin is? God let his son die to pay for every sin you and I did in our lives. And here's what he wants for that. He wants us to confess that. Jesus died on the cross and satisfied God's law on our behalf. Jesus being our advocate means this. He's kind of our union rep to God. Satan is our accuser. Jesus is our advocate. Satan talks to you or talks about you to God all the time. Oh God, grace, good grief, joy. They are bad. Why do you still love them? And Jesus says, because they're mine. Back up off them, sucker. I don't know if Jesus says that, but that's how I like to picture that conversation happening, right? He's our advocate. He speaks on our behalf. Satan, I'm going to MC hammer them because you can't touch this. They're my kids. And you can't mess with them because we're his children. And even though we live in sin, we have sin that, that kind of mucks things up sometimes, right? It makes, makes things, and sin complicates stuff, doesn't it? Complicates relationships, complicates circumstances, complicates our dreams and visions and stuff like that. And, and what God says is this. I'm going to send my son to take care of all that stuff. And Jesus says, because I took care of all that stuff, when you're messed up, I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to remind my Holy Spirit, hey, convict them of that sin so they'll make it right so I can get you back in a place where I want to bless you. That's what Jesus did for us. Psalm 51.10, David prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because here's what happens when we cover up sins in, in Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, he who covers his sins won't prosper. You're not gonna live a blessed life if you keep goofing up. You say, Pastor, you sound very judgmental. No, I'm not. I don't judge anybody for anything. I really don't, don't because I don't have a platform to judge. But what I can tell you about is this. Man, I spent some time with the Lord in prayer, and I asked for forgiveness, and he forgave me. And I can't understand it, but I know God's blessing my life because of it. God wants that for all of us, church. He wants that for all of us. It says this in the second half of that verse. He who covers his sins, they're not gonna prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So God, here's how we deal. All of us are gonna deal with sin, either by covering it up or by confessing it, which is what we should do. But here's, what, here's the ultimate goal of our sin, right? Is for us to conquer our sin. It's for us to conquer our sin. Look at chapter two again. My little children, he's not talking to little kids. He's talking to people young in the Lord. He's talking to believers like you and I. My little children, I'm writing these things to you because I don't want you to sin. You say, that's a good thing, right? I want to tell you this week, don't sin. Do your best not to sin. When you sin, ask God to forgive you. He says, my little children, I'm writing you these things because I don't want you to sin. But when you do sin, we have an advocate, somebody who speaks on our behalf, our union rep, with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, And he is the satisfaction of the law, the propitiation for our sins. Not for our sins only. It's not exclusive for us. We're not better than other people when we're forgiven. He did it for everybody, right? And then he says in verse number three, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Right. So God says, I did this for you so you can have a relationship with me. There ought to be some things in your life that reflect that. I use the wedding illustration a lot because I think it's so powerful. When I made a commitment to my wife in 1985, we exchanged wedding rings. Now, it wasn't one of these cool black rubber wedding rings. I love these Quelo rubber rings, man, they are so great. Uh, I, we were on a missions trip to Mexico one time. We were doing some work, and I, I don't know what we were doing, but I was sawing and hammering and doing it, and my wedding ring broke. And I was like, oh! I can't be a pastor on a missions trip and not wear my wedding ring. That's, that's like feels bad, you know? So I went to the marketplace, bought a sterling silver wedding ring that was way too small on me. I got it, barely got it on, had to cut it off when I got it home. It was purple and all gunky looking afterwards. But I just, I just didn't want my, my wife to see me get off the airplane with my wedding ring, wedding ring not on. It was one of the few good things I did in my life, right? So I wore that as an outward expression of the relationship I had with her. And what God is saying this: your outward expression, because of your relationship with me, is do your best not to sin. It ought to be a goal in your life, or an attempt in your life to live a righteous life, to do good, to love others to turn your back towards sin. Now, God understands our humanity. God understands we're not perfect. That's why he provided a way through Jesus for us to go to him and say, Lord, and it's not just saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's kind of funny. We, we look at saying, when we tell our, when our kids mess up, what do you say? It's like catechism. What do you say? I'm sorry. And Is that really a heartfelt I'm sorry when that happens? Right? And I think we do the same thing to God sometimes. God, I'm sorry. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is facing it apologizing for it, and then turning around and going the other way. That's what repentance means. And that's what, that's what the apostle was telling us, John, in this passage of Scripture here. And then he goes on to say that he who says, I know him, and doesn't try to keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth isn't in him. But whoever keeps his word, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought to, right, try, you ought to himself, Walk just like Jesus walked. So our goal in our life is to live a sinless life. Jesus, I know you're not going to be able to do that, but you can certainly try. Thank God he doesn't judge us by our good and bad, not by works of righteousness, but it's according to his mercy that he saves us. So Let, let, me, let me conclude this thought with you this morning, okay? I said to you earlier that the title of my message was called Does Your Say Match Your Do?" Listen to this verse in James 1.22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. See, when we're hearers only and not doers, James 1.22 says we deceive ourselves. And you know what? We can, we can with our neighbors, with other Christians, with people in our life group, with members in our church, we could come to church and put on the gospel glaze. Amen, amen. So good to be in the presence of the Lord today, you know, and just come across with this really super spiritual mantra, You know, you pull up, turn off classic rock and put on Hillsong Radio and open the windows, right? We can do all that stuff. When people come into your house, oh, we've got to put the gospel music on. We want everybody to see all the outward stuff. Here's the thing about all that outward stuff. It's all outward stuff. It's just, this is pink today, by the way, if you're wondering. It's not salmon. Nathan said, in the middle of worship and communion, that's not salmon, that's pink. During our worship service this morning, messed me all up. But with all this external stuff, right, all this external, oh, man, you, you guys, you know, people think, people think that life group leaders and pastors and people that teach and this and this and this, their, their home is just like a Hillsong concert all the time. It ain't my home. I can just tell you that right now, okay? Because all that stuff, and there's nothing wrong with it. I love all that stuff. I love good music, good fellowship. I want to represent Jesus the way that I should, but it's all external stuff, because we look on the outward appearance. And where does God look? He looks on the heart. So is your due matching your say? Right? So here's the three things as we pray. We could cover our sins, watergate them, so nobody else knows what's going around. But we have to remember, God knows, God sees, and he, listen, you're his kids. He's going to come after you if you don't confess them, because he wants fellowship with you. God's not up in heaven with lightning rods in his hand going, <laughs> I can't wait to punish you. God's up there saying, what do I got to do to get your attention? I want to bless your life, right? We could cover our sins. We need to confess our sins. At church, we need to do that daily. You know, don't wait till the end of the week and keep a list and say, well, Lord, it's Saturday. Man, got a lot to confess to you this week. If you do it and you know it's wrong, ask the Lord to forgive you right then and there. That way you don't have to have a good memory, right? Just confess it right away. We need to confess our sins. But what we should be working towards is conquering our sins. It's conquering our sins. I said this a while back, and somebody challenged me after church, and I love that they did. They said, Pastor, you said in church today that you're not being tempted at 55 differently than you were when you were 18. No, I'll tell you why, because Satan knows where I'm weak. He has the best strategy in the whole world to destroy your life, the person sitting next to you, and to destroy my life. He knows. Where, and listen, where I'm weak, you may not be weak. And you might look at that and say... Man, what's wrong with you, man? You're, you're jacked up. All of us are jacked up. But Satan knows it. And he's devising a plan, walking around this world, the Bible says, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to mess you up because of this, to go before God and say, I told you, the accuser, I told you. And our advocate says, they're mine. Go do your thing somewhere else. And he's going to come and undergird you and, and, and convict you to get to that place where you can be blessed again so you could turn your story into his glory. You're going to deal with sin this week. Don't cover it up. Confess it and pray that God will give you the Christian character and the spiritual maturity to conquer it too. Amen, church? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for this great letter that John wrote to Christians so that we can be mature in you. And, Lord, whether we've been saved for two months or 20 years or 50 years, Everything that we talked about today, we all need. Because Satan deceives us. He wants us to think the things that we're doing wrong are no big deal. He wants us to think that fellowship with God is not that big of a deal. Why is God, you know. And, And what he does to us is the same thing he did to Adam and Eve and wants us to doubt God's word. We know your word is true. We claim it to be true. We know that it's true. We live by its truth. And we know that you said this about truth. The truth sets us free. So Lord, like we said during communion, like we said during the message today, if there's unconfessed sin in any one of our lives today, that we would take some time and and, and talk to you. Whether we're driving at home in a quiet moment and ask you to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then Father, may we continue that prayer and say, God, help me to be stronger and resist that temptation. And put stuff in my life in of that other stuff so that I can live better for you so that we can be what John said earlier what we talked about uh, during communion so we can be witnesses of what Jesus has done not only for the world but what Jesus has done in and through our lives we are living testimonies and living uh, proof that Jesus is alive help us to be witnesses this week hey with your heads bowed and eyes closed I'd just like to pray for you real fast if you're with us this morning, whether you're online, and you, can rely, you can respond online by just emailing us at hello at warehousechurch.com. But if you're in our audience this morning, uh, with us here um, this morning, and, and there's some stuff in your life, you just say, you know, Pastor, I could use an encouraging prayer. i got stuff going on, and I'm working through it. It's hard, but I could sure use an encouraging prayer this morning. I need to guess God to forgive me of some sins. I've got some stuff I need to make right i got some stuff I'm going through right now, and I could just use an encouraging prayer this morning. If there's anybody like that in the room this morning, just lift your hand up right where you're sitting, all over the room. God bless you. Every section, hands up everywhere. Father, we love you. You know every hand and every heart that's represented in this room this morning. So, Lord, if, if we need to take some of these steps towards confession and conquering sin, help us to take those steps. If we need to take steps into restoring relationships with each other, Lord, help us to take those steps. If we need to restore our relationship with you, help us spend some time in prayer today. Whether it's a trial or a burden or whatever our our, our family is carrying with them this morning, Lord, forgive them, deal with them, strengthen them, and let them experience the fullness of your love today. We ask you this in Jesus' name, and everybody with me this morning said that.